one of my biggest learning has come from a book it is called built to last and uh, it actually talks about uh, everybody in the ecosystem believes that uh, you start with an idea you have to connect with the problem actually it builds a case that 50% of largest companies started with the concept of starting a company and uh, a great concept there is company is nothing but a great people machinery a company which learns how to hire groom people eventually becomes an institution becomes an institution and long lasting company that book has had the most impact on how i think about company building ஒரிங் uh but i feel that you know the power of your uh, of the company actually increases much more by each year and uh, you know you you uh, for you it is much more action that you see every year amazing i think um, yeah i think a lot of people don't agree there i i i think a lot of people are like hey you know first 5 6 years are super exciting and then it just becomes uh very less exciting and i think when many founders leave after some time period that belief kind of gets reinforced where people are like hey you know 7 8 years we are done so um that that's awesome yeah. um abhishek now i know we are doing this like uh, with two of you so we'll try to cycle through the questions with the two of you uh would love to start with you know uh, both of your stories um you know early days any entrepreneurial influences um you know you ended up at college then you both joined vc firms at some point um how was that journey how did you meet um and then how did traction happen uh, would love to talk through that so i uh, born and brought up in bombay uh, in a very academic environment i would say so i bo- was born in a in a colony called BARC Baba Atomic Research Center where nearly half the people are actually scientists so it is very academically right. oriented right. in that very good view also it's in kolaba yes okay. yeah so there's a kolaba and then there's another one okay. also uh, there so there's a big uh, you know a, a sort of colony that i grew up in and um, uh, for me business was or startup was never the way of life because if i look at my family or my immediate family as well as extended there aren't people who are doing business um so uh, the way it happened is basically i graduated uh, from iit bombay in computer science and uh, you know initially got exposed to a lot of businesses when i joined bct the boston consulting group and then uh, sequoia capital where i could see it in action you know how uh, so i was mainly focusing on the technology space and could actually see how companies are applying technology you know in the, uh, various businesses and uh, that is where the idea of traction was actually born uh, so this is a platform that i really wished i had when i was an investor 
So we used to do all the things that is now available. We actually used to do it manually. And we thought that, you know, if you look at the public markets, uh, the investors have the luxury of having platforms like a Bloomberg or a Refinitiv. And, you know, when you're looking at private markets, you literally had to build the whole stack yourself. And being, you know, like com science undergrads, you thought that, you know, you could actually use technology to make this information also much more organized and easily available. So that's how the idea of traction was actually born. And, uh, you know, I'll uh, let Abhishek also give an introduction. Yeah. So I, I grew up in uh, a Marwadi family. Uh, so everybody around me uh, was doing some kind of uh, small scale business and uh, dinner table conversations was always around job versus uh, doing your own shop. And uh, but I was always academically oriented. I was top 100 and J.E. Rankers in my batch, went to IIT Kanpur, did computer science. And fortunately, started my career in tech, uh, worked in Yahoo and then in Amazon and their tech teams. And uh, I was among the youngest CTO in my batch, became CTO at uh, 26, managed a team of like 80 people then, and uh, then joined VC. I uh, went to Excel between 2008 to 10. And this was the period uh, when internet was just happening in India. I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Flipkart in early days, and uh, I ended up uh, helping uh, lead first seed round there. And after that, I figured out that internet is going to happen or tech wave is coming to India. So it's time to probably start again. And um, I had also done some similar work uh, with respect to what Neha was thinking. And then over time we joined hands and in 2013, we started this together. And um, we could be, we thought that we were both programmers and technology, uh, technologists turned VCs. And we were hardly using any technology to do, make our lives, our own lives easier. And um, it started with a small idea, but over time, as we drew inspiration from public market financial data companies like Bloomberg, Refinitiv, Capital IQ, we realized that one could build a very large scalable platforms, platform here. And um, we are now nine years down the road and it has been a lot, lot of fun. I understand. And um, how did you guys meet? Um, you know, what's the story yeah. there? Um, also, yeah, so that's actually very interesting. Yeah, also like Sorry, the traction idea. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed very natural for the two of you, given your investing backgrounds, but specifically okay. doing this, um, would love to deep dive into that. Yeah. So how did we meet? So that's a, so that's a very interesting story. So I was uh, moving to VC. Uh, this was way back in 2010, a decade back when uh, people were not aware of venture capital funds you know now everyone knows about unicorn about you know the funds they would know about the name at that time the term unicorn also did not exist and people didn't know about funds so when i was looking to move and i had got an offer offer from you know a few funds uh, then uh, i uh, was actually uh, so the person uh, who, who was working with me in bcg was uh, apparently abhishek's uh, batchmate from id kanpur and then when I was wanting to figure out, okay, you know, uh, what are these VCs, which is a good fund to join, etc. Uh, so then uh, the, this person told, oh, I know a friend of mine who's also in VC. So that's how initially we got, uh, you know, connected. So Abhishek was already in Excel and had, uh, you know, been there. And this was like a decade back when I probably the number of VC, uh, people in the VC would be, you know, just about like under 15 in India overall. So that's the first and coming to the next part, which is, uh, you know, how did traction idea, uh, you know, uh, uh, how did this all start? So this was based on our personal pain point. So uh, both of us, while our respective stints at different funds uh, had uh, made one version of the platform to make our lives easy. So it would be 
you know, for me, it was more around, okay, when I'm looking at a company, can I look at all the peers set instantly? I can, when I'm looking at sourcing new companies, can I do something to be able to source new companies without having to go through newspapers or, you know, various platforms? Can I do something in an automated manner to be able to do that? Uh, so that was, you know, the initial set of code that I had written. And I, you know, by exchanging notes, I realized that Abhishek had also written some set of uh, tools for himself to help his work while he was investing. So that was like a common point of interest. And obviously we discussed about it probably for a year, uh, you know, being VCs ourselves, having the, uh, yeah, having been used to uh, analyze sort of markets and business models and ideas before we actually took the plunge, we actually spent a year in, uh, in analyzing it. And we realized that, you know, private markets are going to become large. Uh, this was again like a decade back when the term unicorn did not exist. So that's where we took the plunge, and obviously now, uh, you know, uh, uh, now everyone knows about all these companies and about uh, this growing ecosystem. And I think thanks a lot to to you for this. Uh, you know, as an investor myself, traction we use on a daily basis um, to see someone's cap table, to see what they've raised, get any information. It's it's wonderful. Um, but, you know, beyond this ecosystem, I think beyond the investor ecosystem, very few people know what Traction is. So if you could, you know, talk about what you do at Traction, um, what is it solving for, uh, what's the real problem statement, uh, that'd be very helpful. Sure. So uh, Traction is basically a, a SaaS-based platform. It's a financial data platform. Uh, anyone who's looking at private markets, be it for investment or be it for M&A or be it for looking at new technology solutions which come in they can use our platform right on the back end we obviously use a lot of technology as well as sector focus analyst team to make it uh, to make the unorganized information very organized uh, for people who are looking at companies for people who are looking at uh, you know emerging technology sectors right? so that's in brief of what traction is uh, in terms of who we work with, so we work with the venture capital funds, we work with private equity uh, funds, as well as we work with large corporates. So another interesting thing that people don't know is nearly half of our customer base is actually corporates uh, who are using it either for driving their M&A uh, corporate strategy, as well as your innovation teams, which are looking at new solutions which come in in the industry every day. So, so that's a brief about you know traction. How how do corporates use it? Um, what's the use case for them? Like I understand investors uh, using it because it's a financial data platform for private companies, but for corporates, what's the use case? Yeah. So in corporates, we today work with uh, more than seventy Fortune five hundred corporations. Right. These are primarily large corporations that we work with, and we work with their uh, you know typically two teams. One is your uh, M&A team, CopDev team or M&A team who are looking at acquisition targets. For instance, you, if, if you're in an industry, you're looking at uh, very specific targets based on your strategic interest. You are actually able to scan the markets globally. You are able to find companies, analyze companies. So that's one use case. And the second is your innovation teams or your technology offices. One of their use case is, you know, if you're looking at um, uh, uh, if you're looking at a very traditional software like, you know, HR software, you will go to the typical, you know, large IT vendor, so, uh, like a Gartner or a Forrester to discover the top of the pyramid. But for all the upcoming software, for instance, if a bank wants to partner with the EKYC solution 
or uh, if if i want to look at any of the other vendors coming up in my industry they also help discover a lot of these technology partners through our platform mm. it's a great uh, segue into our topic for this week's episode which is building a financial data company out of india and you know it's amazing you you hear about these data companies most of them are based in in new york some in london but very few in india uh, and, and so i want to go back to your kind of initial journey when you were deciding to start uh, can you can you walk us through the thought process and what kind of drove that decision just to start your company in india so uh, when we were launching so we actually got started in 2013 uh, when i was doing my mba in stanford between the first and the second year and interestingly we started as us as the first market because you know all the initial set of customers in private market investors both vcs and corporates were all in that vicinity right and uh, for us uh, we realized you know 3 uh, months down as we were building the company we realized that to build this company it's not just technology which is going to be a key component but also you know sector focus analyst which is going to be as well as data operations is going to be a key component of making it successful and that is when we actually started setting up the whole operations and building the team in india right so this was end of 2013 and uh, so it, you know i think if we had if we were planning to launch a solution which is purely tech then probably you know we might have launched the company in us uh which is what we were debating but as soon as it became clear that you know you require to actually make enterprise grade data you know it is not just uh, anything that can be solved by just tech but you actually have to you know you need to curate it you need to make it actionable and uh, you need to also have uh, you know the other team that is required to make it actionable for for the segment of users and make it more enterprise grade so that is when we actually started hiring the team and Uh, if you look at it, India has a great talent for that. Like, if you look at all the large data company, India has been the back office for all these data companies, right? Like, if you look at it, even in the public markets, be it Factset, S and P. Uh, yeah, if you look at even other segments, like even McKinsey Knowledge Centers, Global Knowledge Center, you know, would be in India. Uh, Gartner's office would be in India. So, India has a good pool of analysts, I would say. and uh, so hence if you have to build a data company out of india then you know this uh, or data company then india is a great ground for that so that is when we actually uh, you know sort of started also scaling the team over here no makes a lot of sense that insight that it's not just software but also a lot of human effort going into it yeah uh, and i'm sure maybe one for you uh, can you tell us a bit about how you got your first few customers absolutely so i think um, uh in so we initially in us we were incubated out of lightspeed office okay. and um, at that time i think um, uh, also one of the vcs had uh, partners had come to stanford to give a lecture so neha was speaking to him and so lightspeed and nea in us became among our first few customers so people we knew they became our customers and in india i think we knew a bunch of vcs so uh, we reached out to some of them and they became customers so first time i think customers were people we knew from past and we tried getting them as paid customers not at, not as a beta customer we sold them full price packages so that we validate if there is a real need or they are being just kind to us and uh, after that we started reaching out to more people through either introductions or people um, through what we thought they would need this platform so we reached out to some of them But I think first few has to be through in your network and introductions. And and want to just you know uh, dive a bit deeper into that. Like how how did you convince those first few customers? I mean, what what did you? I'm sure your product was very far away from what it is today. 
Uh, what was you know the key pain point or 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 the right. biggest kind of value proposition that you were bringing to them? So I think that's an interesting thing. We actually spent quite a lot of quite a bit of thought in figuring out what to build first uh, because it's a vert. So we are kind of a vertical SaaS product. So we are building a product for a industry, and there are n number of ways you can enter this. So the wedge can be different. Over time, when we were thinking, we realized that we wanted to start with a product which is quite close to its peak price point. So instead of starting with, let's say, $30 a month product or $20 a month product, we wanted to start which is somewhere close to $500 or $1,000 per month price point. And um, the other thought was also that uh, it, that first few modules should also enable us to build the entire skill set. And uh, when we spoke to a lot of our customers, we realized that sector-based sourcing was one of the first things that a lot of people were ready to pay significantly more money for. And it also enabled us to price properly with the skill set that, that is required. So eventually, we started with building one sector, which was called cybersecurity. It was very hot in US at that time. So we launched cybersecurity. We started publishing interesting companies there. And at some stage, our customers said that, oh, this output is great. So that's when we started exploding, like exploring other sectors. Interestingly, Bitcoin was the second sector we published and 3D printing was the third one. So these are like somewhat more sectors which are very prominent in US and that's what the start of the journey is. And once we got three, four sectors going, then rest was very, lot more easier. And I think just to add, you know, one of the things that we initially spent a lot of time is, is figuring out the product, right? Because uh, what I would say is that uh, our product is a little bit of a greenfield, it's a little bit of greenfield market. So for instance that there, there wasn't a product that existed before that what we started so it wasn't like you know you were building a better version of a crm that you you could say that you know it's a crm with better features so you didn't have anything to compare against and that is why you had to actually think about you know the the platform the product as well as the pricing of what users are you know willing to pay to do that so i think that we initially uh, you know spent about one quarter in just figuring out what is the module and what is the pricing to launch with and once we hit uh, once we got the initial set of customers. So the other thing, the second thing is probably doing the the initial sales has to be done by the founders. So all the initial customers were probably uh, you know gotten by two of us. And uh, once we had got the uh, you know the ball rolling, initial uh, set of customers were very happy to pay for the value that we were uh, providing to them. And that is when you know we uh, the the whole sort of ball gets rolling. You know, amazing, and uh, it's. Uh... It, 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 I think it's a lesson for, for our listeners, right? That uh, everyone talks about an MVP, think about the the kind of basic, most simple version of the product, but you also need, really need to think about price. And uh, it's a big difference, right? Selling a, a product that's $1,000 a month versus a $30 a month product. And, and also expectation. And I, I, I just want to understand the thought process behind this. And, and what, like, how did you justify that price point, right? Like, was it one industry you guys focused on, you were, you were getting data on it. So I think there is some, everybody does some form of anchoring. So for example, if you were selling, uh, if you had started that CRM product, then people say that, look, Salesforce is at $30, maybe $50 and your product is nowhere close to Salesforce. So how can you charge double of that? So there will always be anchoring. I think um, in our case, uh, Bloomberg is today at $20,000 a year pricing. So when we went and said that, okay, we will charge uh, $5,000 per year for first seat. Then people anchored us against financial data and Bloomberg became our benchmark. So you have to, when you're initially pricing, you have to very uh, clearly think about anchoring which customer will use to figure out if it's the right, right for price or not. That's that's a, that's a great insight. Yeah, so you, you anchor them to yeah, financial data and then uh, 
Um, and, and and so now to kind of talk more about this data that you're getting, what were some of the challenges that you faced and, and how did you scale it? You went from one industry to how many industries are you guys doing today and, and how do you kind of keep it all uh, running together? Right. Yeah, so I, I would say that is one of the key things that we have probably solved and that we started off with because, you know, if you just compare, like if you compare to the public markets, you're talking about you know, just about 50,000 companies globally. But when you're talking about private market, you're talking about a few million companies globally and that too very unstructured information about it. So how do you get that? How do you do that? Uh, just to give an example, at the back end, we actually track like every domain which went live yesterday. Right. So we track more than half a billion entities on the back end. And uh, what we publish under the platform is basically you know, the things which are more interesting, which is bubble, which has been sort of curated by our team, which is little less than 2 million companies today, which we have on our platform. Um, so that is the, the, you know, that is one of the key things that you're talking about. So, you know, technology obviously has a big role to play in it, wherein you are looking at large sets of data uh, and you're, you know, sort of aggregating large sets of data. The second part I would say is the, uh, the more intelligence layer, which is, which is where your, uh, your team of analysts also come in. So basically, you know, you have an AI engine and you basically have to tell the engine what is good. Right. If, for instance, one of the, uh, one of the things that we do is we try to capture interesting companies which are investable. Uh, and what I mean by investable is, for instance, if you're looking at an SME, if you're looking at a taxi company, uh, uh, SME taxi company is not very interesting, but a tech enabled taxi company like an Uber or a Lyft is interesting. Right. Uh, similarly, a single shop is not interesting, but a hospital chain is interesting or, a you know, a, a, a chain of uh, those uh, ice cream shops, for instance, that is interesting. And, and I, I think it would make a great example. I mean, you know, like pick one that's good, but how would you tell the difference if you see a company, whether they're a SME taxi company or an Uber? Right, exactly. So that is a problem. One of the problems that we have actually solved and the probability of identifying this company when we started was probably 1% that you have to look at 100 companies to be able to, you know, we would identify, like we would be able to identify a company with the accuracy of 1%. Today, it's as high as 50%. Uh, and that is how, you know, over the last eight years, uh, the data that has been fed back about what is interesting, what is not interesting, and obviously we parameterize uh, each of the companies that we look at across, you know, 100 plus variables. Uh, and uh, it is fed back based on what the analysts have told it's a good system or a good company or not. So I think over time, you know, that efficiency has increased a lot. That's incredible. I, I would love to uh, learn a bit more about that. Uh, certainly a supervised learning algorithm that you've set up. I mean, how, how are you guys, you know, giving it feedback and the analysts are just picking stuff, companies that they like. Uh, yeah, whatever you can share about that would be, would be fascinating. So I think, um... It's a conventional or it's a sort of lightweight vision system. So every company has hundreds of signals on their website, outside. And over time, based on what we have seen in past, we say that what is the likelihood of this company being interesting based on all these hundred signals that are present on this website. And okay. then you try to make an algorithm on top of it. But it's largely as much a big data problem because you have 600 million domains on one side and hundreds of variables on each website. So... <laughs> I think so that is one thing that we have been working on for last nine years. And actually today, uh, one of the ways to think, look at it is today our AWS bill is more than our, our office rentals. So, <laughs> so that and is we sort have an AWS member team. <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, it's not a small office, it's a meaningful office. So 
that is a testimony to how much uh, big data has gone into solving this problem. Amazing. And I mean, when you're tackling a problem at that scale, you know, costs must have risen like crazy. And I believe in 2021, you actually got to profitability and you cut your cost down by something crazy. I think it was a 10x reduction in, in cost. So please tell us how you did that. What was the strategy and, and how did you actually execute? Yeah, I think uh, so one of the decisions that we had taken early in the life cycle is, uh, you know, whether you build the company for M&A or you build the company for long term. Uh, it's a very subtle thing, but actually after having been VCs ourselves and having seen the journey, you know, if you raise uh, VC capital, you either, you know, end up uh, going for the M&A path or you end up going for the listing path. These are typically you know, two ways. And when you're thinking about the latter, you are thinking about your long term, uh, yeah, all these parameters much early. So I think, um, uh, funnily, we had actually thought about it even the initial, you know, uh, initial few years while building the company that this is a very deep market and we would love to continue to build this company for the next 40 years. And, you know, hence a lot of the cost structure, a lot of the uh, processes that we had set was uh, by keeping in that in mind. So if you look at it, uh, you know, also having the uh, having enterprise customers and having the the cost arbitrage of selling globally and making in India also contributed to that factor that we could become profitable much early. Uh, so that, that was one of the you know things that had gone in. Uh, so I think we were probably very cognizant about that when we were building and uh, we turned, you know, thankfully profitable uh, also on the cash flow as well as on the bottom line side. And uh, when we turned profitable, that's when we had actually started preparing, you know, for listing in India. And I mean, maybe a more general question um, for, for, for founders who are listening to this, you know, uh, how, how do you how do you plan to to build a company for the long term? I, I I think it's it's almost a temptation, especially for founders. You know, first time founders who have raised VC money to kind of just think about hitting numbers and trying to get to the M and A uh, kind of side of it. Uh, any advice on on how do you build a company and, and what the priorities or differences are between these? Because I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of examples. Correct. No, so when you're building for long run, you have to practically think of solving everything which can continue to run for a very long time. Or other way to think about this is that you, every time you encounter a new thing, you don't hustle your way through it. You think what is the long term answer and then you build that uh, machinery which can keep delivering results. So for example, if I were to hire, let's say a finance person or a product manager, I can just ask around in my network and get one or two people and get done with it. Or I can figure out how will this company keep hiring product managers efficiently over long runs, set up a process and a protocol, and then a team or a bunch of recruiters can run it scalably over next five years or 10 years or 20 years. And it becomes a scalable machinery. So that is like hustle versus setting up processes for long run. That is one of the key differentiation between building for long term versus building for a short exit. Eventually, you will have to solve problems. So the company will... Uh, Build to last company will stay for 50 to 100 years. So eventually we'll reach a point where you need to solve all of these and make a stable state system. I quite like that. I mean, that that's a, a good way to think about it. Building processes rather than hustling. Um, that, that's great. And we don't want to ask about the culture of the company. I, I, I think it's a very unique company where it's, it's, a, it's a fine balance between human analysis and, and technology, technology kind of sourcing the human analysis. Uh, so, so I, and, and you know, I, I know that this is a horrible question to ask, but but I I, I think we learn a lot from that. So, what's the culture like? Um, and and maybe some anecdotes that that can help us understand what the culture is like. So, I can add a couple of things here. So, uh, you know, 
as you were saying that uh, uh, rightly said that you know tech is a is a key component we have a tech and we have you know people uh, nearly 100 member tech team as well as people you know outside the uh, outside the tech department uh, an essential component part, uh, part of the culture is basically everyone you know even it's outside has to know has to know tech <laughs> so this is a very interesting thing that we make it part of the leadership across departments so just to give an example we nearly have a you know 40 member automation engineering team which is outside tech so obviously the tech is spending a lot of time in building the platform the customer facing as well as the back end uh, you know the uh, platform but there's a lot of tech which also goes in other wherein we are processing data wherein we are standardizing filings across 20 different countries uh, we are you know extracting information from scanned images which is available about private companies across various formats uh so that is a core component so this is why one one interesting comp, uh, part of the culture you know that you'll see that uh, every leader be it in tech as well as in the other sector has to know technology yeah no that's amazing i, I think it's yeah. it's it, you you wouldn't expect it i i, I think it's been surprising to me that that tech plays such a big role considering the the, the product that you guys have and uh, you know one one uh, one more question about the competition i mean you mentioned that this is greenfield but uh, you're essentially using public data and, and so what do you believe is your moat is it the algorithm or or what is it what's the right so if you look at the data like you know i think a good uh, parallel to draw is probably like in the public markets like even if you look at public markets there are companies which are giving you very structured information on a quarterly basis uh, you know and that that information but the beauty is uh, is basically in in standardizing that information and making it very actionable and drawing the next level of insights uh, on top of it which can then be used by the investors so i think that is what also uh, exists in the private market data space that there is information which is there publicly as well as the proprietary information that we build on top of it uh, that is also a key component of it but the uh, but the more moat is making it more actionable uh, and drawing the next level of you know actionable insights on top of it for instance you know there's a set of companies but what an investor would want is i want to look at a company uh, you know who's doing revenue based financing in india or globally uh, so can i help to show that you know that set of company instantly the next is if you're looking at a company i want to look at you know your global comms who else does the same for instance your 10 minute or 20 minute delivery how has that sector panned out across all the regions globally can i you know help to show you that so i think the beauty is also making it very actionable for the end consumers wherein which is key component of the of your mode neha abhishek now in terms of what's next for you guys how are you thinking of the company um next let's say 2 to 3 years what are key goals what are you planning to achieve um would love to work to that so one of our long term you know i would say goal is to build a iconic data company out of india uh you know india has been the back office for a lot of large data companies if you were to say and then you know can you actually create a large global financial data company out of india so that's our long term goal in the short in the more shorter term uh you know i think we want to focus and continue to solve more problems of the private market you know i think we have we have done a uh, in the last 8 years we probably launched about you know bunch of modules uh, but i guess 
how can we actually continue to you know keep taking feedback and keep solving more of the problems uh, so i think that is more of the uh, immediate one and uh, the other aspect is basically reaching out to more sort of customers like for instance we today have customers in 50 different countries how can we uh, you know go more deeper into the countries wherein we already have uh, a group, good critical mass of customers that exists understand got it and um, you talked about being pretty large outside of india um, i know that's something that a lot of people don't know about you um, if you can talk through that and then you know so actually it's quite interesting we actually launched us first we never launched india in the first few months so um, i think in 2012 neha did uh, write a small prototype which she showed to few investors here in india and she went to stanford in 2013 and uh, during the first year and second year i got free and then i started working on it full time and there was a incubation program where we started so we knew largest market is in us so we started building the company there and we got our first few customers there and uh, we realized that uh, india is going to be the back office i came back neha stayed back in us she was selling there for herself and i was taking care of delivery initially and after four months we realized that data we are building a part of the data is also interesting for india and we launched that um, so us was always the big focus because that's where bulk of the vc on private market dollar is being invested and it is true also for mna markets um, so uh, today like 70% of our revenue is international and 30% is india and uh, eventually i think share of international can potentially even become larger because lot more lot larger markets exist there understand awesome so just to close out uh, and why we are called founders unfiltered um, abhishek what's one piece of unfiltered feedback you received in your journey either as a founder or in your career that you know changed the way you looked at things brutal honest as what we look for here uh, yeah so i think i have taken uh, so it's not from a person one of my biggest learning has come from a book it is called built to last and uh, it actually talks about uh, everybody in the ecosystem believes that uh, you start with an idea you have to connect with the problem actually it builds a case that 50% of largest companies started with the concept of starting a company and uh, a great concept there is company is nothing but a great people machinery a company which learns how to hire groom people eventually becomes an institution becomes an institution and long lasting company that book has had the most impact on how i think about company building and um, so that is i think what has changed my thinking or company building forever i think the other incident which really changed me forever was the launch of aws i was at amazon during that period okay. Uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting internal obviously everybody was excited that we are launching a great deal and then everybody thrashed the <laughs> idea so i think there was front page news saying that jeff bezos has lost it what are they doing and uh, so it taught me that even largest idea of our generation can be so misinterpreted or misunderstood in the early days so it teaches you to keep your convictions even when everybody is saying no mm. and that has happened to us as a founder it happens to you every day you will keep you will meet more non believers than believers so uh, i think you have to like be able to look at long term and keep your conviction uh, even when i at excel when i met flipkart everybody was saying no to that company and i was 27 then so uh, that amaz- they, i always thought that if aws can get misunderstood then like how can i judge other audiences or this idea and when people are saying no so i think willingness to be misunderstood i think i saw it very very closely first time amazing awesome uh, thank you neha thank you abhishek for your time love the conversation learned a lot thank you thanks everyone thanks, thanks, thanks my team it was awesome thanks. to be to speak
Thank you so much for tuning in to Founders Unfiltered. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week for another episode of AJVC Unfiltered, where we talk about our latest piece.